0: The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. There's a few references t- uh, today, Kev, to, um, uh, to, to, to you know, li- listening to the show today, being the 11th. One, one of them is Armistice. And the other one is of course is duh, duh, duh. it's that week. What? When when's Brex- that Brexit? No, not that week. Oh. No, that was <laughs> that's, that's still to come. Um, no, it's that it's that week of the um, of the ex-weddings conference. Uh is that Are you sure it's Did this you week? forget? is it this week? <laughs> is it is. Oh my god, I better organize that, I <laughs> yeah. suppose. Yeah. So to make some phone calls. let me ask you: <laughs> Can people yeah book the venue? Yeah. Can people still buy tickets? I, I mean, I know we have 48 hours running here. If you're listening on Monday the 11th, that is.
1: Yeah, um,
0: yes, there is uh, technically.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've sold our um, we've sold the amount that we needed to sell to make it worthwhile, um, right. which is great. So thank you very much to everybody that has uh, purchased a ticket. Yep. And, uh, yeah, there's still, because we've moved to the Apex Hotel from the Hilton, so the room we're in actually holds a lot more. So, yeah, technically, you can still pop along and buy a ticket, if you so wish, to xweddings.co.x-weddings.co.uk. For everybody else, I'm very much looking forward to seeing them on (laughs) Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning. Fuck, he's reading this out, isn't he? And uh, this is what Gemma (laughs) told me to say. She said, don't. (laughs) <laughs> she said mention it mention yeah, it yeah be, she said be nice oh did she <laughs>
0: smile when you speak okay. don't waste <laughs> up those smiles yeah <laughs> well and, it's
1: early in the month isn't it so uh, i've got a good allowance now it's
0: it's a, it's a hideous um unashamed mention of the master thing on on the thursday as well but i've still got some spaces if you want to come and learn about photo films and find out how sound and video atop photography is helping during Brexit.
1: Yes. Well, I'm going to that. I'm going to go into that one. Are you? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I'm really looking forward to it and um,
0: stuff. <laughs> I am really looking forward to it. The Fuji cast. <laughs> <I, laughs> you need some presentation training. Talking to which, by the way, somebody said to me the other uh, the other day, and I don't know if we have any vicars listening. I'm sure we don't, do we? No. Um, uh, a couple came in the other day to talk about their wedding that they're having uh, next month. And uh, we were doing the, the pre-wedding chat, and uh, they were talking about, uh, or the, the groom in particular was talking about the the, the the vicar, he said, do you know what they could really do with some presentation training? <laughs> <laughs> Just to lighten them up a bit. Is that unfair? I always find priests sometimes easier than Church of England vicars. Yeah. I, I, in terms of, you know, welcome. Their, their welcoming sort of manner to you.
1: Yeah. No, well, I'm yeah. pretty ambivalent about, about it really I <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is going to be a show of ambivalence today. Yeah. Coming up, your questions. I'm going, and I'm not <laughs> saying goodbye. <laughs> no, don't start. That X-Pro3 screen, we're going to talk about that. Uh, best settings for video compression, just some of the stuff we're going to be talking about with the X-T3 on that one. Uh, if your question's not on the show this week, do not fret. Sometimes it takes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes a smidge more. But you can't rush perfection, can you? Mm-hmm. Send your questions to click at fujicast.co.uk. Today we'll hear from Giles Penfound, um, today is Armistice Day So well that's if you're listening to the show on the day of release And if it's 11 o'clock or near to, Press pause and observe the silence um, The day World War One ended 11am, 11th day, 11th month 1918, so I thought we'd take a moment to talk with Charles About the important work That photographers do in fields that We would, um, in the main, not dare tread um, we got to say goodbye To somebody as well this week Goodbye Simpler
1: Oh, yeah, bless them, they've been very good Yeah Good old JP. Well, not goodbye. Just well, no. Just they'll,
0: they'll still, you know, occasionally pop up. But um, we 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 felt that we'd given away about as many straps as we could. So we are looking for something new to replace it. And then we can give away Kev's um, dividers that he doesn't use in his mm-hmm. bag or something. I've got a new bag. Have you? Yeah. You nice. Hawks. Out.
1: It's a Hawks Mill bag. Um, yeah. So simpler. Thank you very much to uh, JP and uh, simpler straps for uh helping us out and being so can well helping our listeners out really um yeah, straps and uh, he's also kindly sent me a couple although they are stuck in customs right now um oh, cool. to give away at the uh conference on tuesday uh, sorry wednesday yeah. or whenever um along with i've got some nice prizes actually um spot prizes You've
0: got mugs and stuff haven't you mm. yeah. so
1: the goodie bag is very good yeah she did it last year? It's always Gemma's doing it this she year. She did it
0: this year, did she? she
1: well, sh- she's going to do it right, okay. this year.
0: Does she know?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. Hopefully, because I, I'm very incapable of putting things in bags. Yeah, we've got mu- Love we've your got pay grade. We've got a mug in there. We've yeah. got a nice uh, Fujifilm UK have given everybody a. A5 notebook really nice some pens some USB things so everybody will be getting those um, and a
0: free X-Pro3 for everybody that comes to <laughs> yeah the that's nice, right
1: yeah yeah that's a joke by the way <laughs> and uh, although there will be X-Pro3s there to play with and um, we've got some stuff um, some discounts from Light Blue Software they're oh. going to be there we've got some discounts from Jorgensen Albums there will be uh, London camera exchange will be there, so they will um if you do wish to buy anything they will have some like double cashback deals and yeah. various other things like that um we've got some instax share printers and some instax share or instax hey, cameras to give away cameras and as instax well Instax cameras yeah ah, okay. And um, some straps from JP when I get through to customs people, <laughs> and I've got a couple of bought a couple of bags to give away as um, spot prizes. So and we'll do all the spot prize stuff at the end, like we did last year, yeah. where we do the Q and A with questions and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I'm really looking forward to it actually because um, yeah, we have got to be
0: in it to win it. Got to be in it to win it. So be there. Yeah, and um, we also thought we'd give a mention at the start of the shows um, to our our wonderful, lovely Facebook group which has grown. And uh if you're not in it you should be in it. Remember though, when you're there, play nice, as Woody said to Sid. Um <laughs> it Woody, do you not remember that scene from uh um so we bought the Zoe Ballson, isn't it? No. It is Toy Story, Woody. Oh. Where where Sid, you know the one that bullies and pulls the heads off toys and stuff. No, you've not seen it. Okay. Anyway, so, so play nice in that group. And I thought we'd, we'd dig out some of the stuff we see uh, right at the start of each show. Um, this week, I'm, I'm going to mention, uh, can I mention one? Stefan Carding. I'm going to share a, a, a with you all a photographer that inspires me greatly. I'm an amateur landscape uh, nature photographer. So we said naturist, that'd be totally different, wouldn't it? Mm. An amateur landscape naturist photographer would be an entirely different thing, wouldn't it? Mm. Living in British Columbia... Canada, but often admire other works of photography such as street and sport, and so on and so forth. um In order to help me understand using a camera to create stories, Frederick Trotovan, uh, tr- 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 No, come on, this is this is my <laughs> trick. This is my trick. no Travatan, yes. He's a Danish street documentary photographer who's living in Mexico City and seems to have dedicated his time to telling the story of the Mexican culture. Hmm. Um, I'll link his Instagram. In fact, we'll put the Instagram link in for you in the show notes, and you'll find a YouTube channel as well. He's a he's extremely Scandinavian, yeah, and he walks around Mexico. Um, I've blonde, seen some of his YouTube blonde stuff. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah. It doesn't look like he belongs at all. No, no, no. But he passes that off as an advantage, as um, he can seem more like a tourist um so if if i mean do you pick out any when well, I picked out one last night because I wanted to put it straight in the facebook group and, and answer him alan sh shallow i am sure you'll yeah yeah yeah, of alan. yeah yeah yeah, in particular metropolis, which is where he has mm. you know, the projects all about showing the relative size of humans in the city
1: and smug mug did a brilliant mini documentary did. about him yeah, on YouTube. Film, youtube if you go film, to the yeah. smug mug channel yeah. and uh, look for the alan schiller is it schiller or shallow Shalla, isn't Sh- it Shalla. yeah
0: Sh- Shalla. <laughs> <is
1: Shaller>. <laughs> um yeah Started I, I really love i love that little film they made of him and also uh, i think his work is amazing absolutely yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so uh, let's get to the questions yours first
1: So, first question is from Jason Hugh, who is from Boston in Massachusetts, and he says, Hi, guys. When I heard my previous question was answered on the podcast, I was so excited that my wife told me to stop screaming like a small child. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, I have another question. He says, I shoot into the light a lot and have recently started printing my pictures at a local print shop. Some online articles suggested I should turn on highlight clipping warning in Capture One to look for blown out highlights. Right. You guessed it, I have a lot of blown out highlights when I shoot into the light. The main subject is fine, just a background. How do you guys deal with blown out highlights during printing when a subject is backlit? Should I spend time to fix it? Do you worry about highlight clipping in the not so important areas in pictures? Uh, Thanks, Jason. Boston, Massachusetts.
0: I I let those highlights go, personally. Yeah, Unless (sighs) Unless you're radically underexposing a shot. And then sometimes I think it can almost look a bit false when you bring everything back in in the front again.
1: Well, I mean, the fact is, if you're shooting with available light and you're not throwing a flashlight onto it you're or some kind of, you, yeah, you you basically, if you want your if the if it's backlit and you want your subject to be well exposed and you're using something like spot metering, then then it will be overexposed in the background. Yeah. So, your choices are to throw a light on it or change the direction of the light somehow. And yeah, highlight clipping is a, is a good little. I have that switched on all the time in Lightroom. Yeah. And uh, you can use the highlight slider to bring it down to a little, you know, a little bit if necessary. But obviously, once it's printed, that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, don't, I
0: wouldn't really do you Do you ever throw a light in? No, you don't,
1: do you? Well, I have my little um well, news. But you
0: don't use that during the day,
1: do you? No, no, no. Uh, you know what I did, though, when I was in Spain this year, I actually used the uh, little camera on the, uh, sorry, the flash on the X100F, the little oh, onboard yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, so I saw the,
0: yeah. It's brilliant. And you liked it. I liked it. You practically you became a flash photographer.
1: In the daytime, it was, I was using it. And it was great, because obviously it was really sunny in Spain. Yeah. Um, and uh, down on the beach and stuff,
0: it, it really, it made pictures look, Great. I know. A bit better. I thought they they look really good. Would you ever lose uh, you, you use a, a, a flashlight like that at a wedding? How N-
1: about news?
0: no? No. <laughs> no. No, I would you not. You didn't
1: even need to think about that, did no, you? No, I would not. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's- um, not in your religion I'd probably leave it behind when I was when I was not saying goodbye to people
0: on the way out. <laughs> uh, well, this is a se- second mention now so uh, we, let's let's just in, in case you think what are they talking about um, you you did rather um, well I'd say a post in the Facebook group blew up about that didn't it We in, in fact it was a couple of weeks ago we mentioned this on the show about would you say goodbye to brides and grooms at, um, at weddings and uh, I think both of us were in that camp of well, it's not necessary. You don't have no. to, you know, jump, ac- waltz across the, um, the, the dance floor and say, "Bye, I am going now. It's the kind of Shakespearean tragedy of the photographers leaving the room. I've always thought they're having a great time. <laughs> Then fine. Carry on. Uh, you see, the thing is... But if they're there on the way out, I will say of goodbye. Course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, think, I think you were pegged as somebody that would just hold his head high and walk past everybody and yeah, shake, whistle
1: Dixie as he was walking out. Shake my not very hairy head and <laughs> the locks flashing behind me. Yeah. Um, no, I actually say on my, my pre-wedding questionnaire to the clients, actually says on there, one of the things it says is, at the end of the day, I will just disappear into the night and let you carry on with your yeah. evening. Um, you know, so they they're kind of forewarned. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought
0: it was quite funny. Other people that don't say goodbye. The chef. It- I'm going. I've cooked your meal. But I'm going now, lovey. <laughs> <laughs> I want a hug. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're going to get told off We will that. get told off again. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's uh, you know what? It's one of those things where it doesn't matter if you do it. Yeah, Great if you don't Lovely Great also It would be a very boring world If we all did That's the same right. stuff Just give
0: them a hug on the way out Yeah Tell them you love them Yeah As long as they've paid <laughs> Ben, ben Gillet Ben Have we ever established If it's Ben Gillet Or I quite uh, like Gillet Because that sounds I'm pretty sure it's Gillet Because I Or oh, Gillet, Gillet. Gillet. Oh, oh Gillet? Know, Is actually. it Gillet? I've been speaking. To, yes, it's Gillet.
1: I've been speaking to him on yeah. the phone as well, so... Um, well,
0: you don't call him Gillett.
1: No, but he's been leaving messages, so he would... But he, well, he wouldn't would.
0: say, hi, it's Ben Gillet. Oh, he might do. Well, yeah, he yeah, would. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so I Did you go to a I school where you used to call each other by your surnames? Uh, the teachers used to call yeah, it. Yeah. The sports teacher, certainly rugby teacher, used to yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, the kids. Yeah, we used to call each other. I mean, yeah, because yeah. in
0: in my lad's school, secondary school, they they're called by their first name. And I think, ah, oh, maybe maybe I'm being a bit Dickensian.
1: Hmm, maybe. Yeah, yeah it's very that is a bit old fashioned. Yeah,
0: Ben. Thank you for your question. Just occurred to me that uh, Neil perhaps could talk a little bit about the setting that he shot the uh, the Gambian film stuff on—long GOP or HDR or standard presets, 4K, and so on and so forth. Do you do you have a, a setup really, for films? Or um,
1: well, this is interesting because mm. this is one of the things I was speaking to Ben about on the phone mm. because he's coming to X Weddings to do some filming. Yeah. Um, well,
0: it, the compression stuff is really important.
1: Yeah. So uh, I basically said to him that um, I can't remember whether it's long GOP or all intro, whichever. One one it basically creates the smallest files is absolutely well, fine for x weddings yeah, yeah.
0: Long, uh, long gop is that one because yeah. long gop is um is essentially well, if you use intro it's writing a new frame every single frame isn't it yeah new information every single time and if you're doing something really detailed like i don't know some street stuff like buses passing by in london and yeah. street lights behind you and people walking then you want to be using intra yeah. but if you're using something very simple like a mullins video <laughs> um where <laughs> where you're just where you're just talking to camera then you can use longop because um the the clever algorithms and and um stuff that's going on behind the scenes yeah is working out what part of that scene is not moving and not rewriting it every single time
1: yeah yeah essentially one is slightly less quality but much smaller yeah uh, or better compression one is better quality and uh less compression but yeah to the naked eye
2: yeah
0: and h264
1: h264 yeah so h265 will produce much smaller files but will be much more processor intensive when editing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I did the H two six five. I feel I, did, I filmed um, when the XT three came out and it had um, sixty frames uh, sixty frames per second four uh, K sixty frames per second yeah. that was it and uh, it was like the first camera that did it. I think it might still be the only camera that does it. So I went to London and did um, I put the camera on the highest possible quality yeah. and put it on H two six five. Um, Steam coming out the machine. It, honestly, the quality was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the footage was absolutely adorable. Um, once I'd finished processing it in Lightroom, sorry, in Photoshop, in um, Premiere Pro. Uh, it's early. It's very early in <laughs> Premiere Pro.
0: It, it took a long time, didn't it? To it took
1: a long time to, to render process, and process. Render, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you had to download. I had to download a new codec uh, renderer for Premiere Pro. Wow, okay.
0: But yeah, I mean, poof, it, was, uh, it was. How long superb. did that take? But well, I mean, your machine is um, is is like space age stuff. Yeah, this is. You you've got more memory and processing. than this was on NASA my, having a space shuttle. This was on my
1: old rubbish machine that oh, I sold to oh. Steve Vaughan. Okay, yeah. All right. yeah, so it was a bit slower.
0: <laughs> but it's, it's still. Don't tell that. Steve will be writing in. Have your machine back. Uh,
1: but yeah, no. I mean, it was a good. It was a good. Like three or four times longer than regular regular rendering. Okay. Um, So, did we answer his question? We did,
0: I think. Thank you, Ben. I'm looking forward to seeing Ben. Yeah,
1: your question. Uh, I have a question from Marcus in Leeds. Hi, chaps. I had an interesting question from my wife the other day. We only got married a few months ago. Warning. (laughs) Warning. We only got married a few months ago, and we had a female photographer who was amazing. Okay. Anyway, she did the bridal prep shots with all the girls getting dressed, etc. So this sparked my my now new wife to say I, in quotes, are you seriously going to take pictures of women getting dressed and made up? You're a man. And and you're also my husband. Oh. Uh, how do you guys handle being in a room with the women in states of undress and being made up, etc.? Is it awkward? And what are your tips and tricks to dealing with this?
0: No, I just knock on the door and say, is everybody decent? yeah i mean ha- half decent is usually what i use a kind of comical reference to it
1: uh, yeah i generally do something very similar and at the point where i i pretty much only spend 30 minutes at bridal prep I, I, you know right. i think that's absolutely enough for them to have a you know a, a small round fat hairy welshman in the room with them um so i do about half an hour and if i'm there so i'm rarely there actually when they when the bride is putting her gown on her wedding gown but if i am there when that happens or the bridesmaids decide to get changed or something then i just say right you know i've i'm going to go outside give me a shout once everything that should be hidden is hidden yeah yeah. um and then i come back in so yeah not a problem whatsoever you you know you've got to do the you've got to do the job and also remember that if they don't want it's it's always an option i always say to them you don't have to have bridal prep you know you just not you know we you can You can roll the coverage on later in the evening if you want, or or I offer options for um, ceremony to first dance only, you know. So not everybody has it. Most people do, but not everybody. And
0: uh, it's – yeah pretty straightforward but i liked what i liked about that question yeah. was though um, I think your wife's going to have to get used to you work, working as a wedding photographer on this one and, and and you know not everybody's taking pictures it's not a lingerie shoot and i think i think that's what some people think it's a lingerie shoot no it's
1: not it's a bit where she goes uh, you're a man and you're also my husband <laughs> yes yeah i love that however you mentioned lingerie i did do a wedding once a long time ago where yeah. the bride said to me she sent me an email especially before and she said um it's a bit of a weird question she said but i've got some really special underwear that uh, for the wedding and mm-hmm. I would love to have some pictures taken of me in it before I get in my wedding dress because you know I think my husband would would like it wow. And I was like, uh, okay. You yeah, don't
0: do that. All right. You said, yeah, In I a did professional way.
1: I did it. Yeah, Fine. I did it. Of course, I did it. Um, but yeah, I remember speaking to Gemma about that, and she was like, hmm, that's a bit weird. Yeah, not, not. She didn't say you are also my husband. <laughs> I can imagine her standing at the front door with her arms crossed. <laughs> You're
0: not going out, Mullins.
1: Oh, Gemma, you see, Gemma said <clears throat> Gemma. Gemma doesn't like the growling. Doesn't she? When we mentioned Gemma, she says, I do, she said, I love, I love the fact that, I love the fact that you can take the mick out of me, and I love the fact that I'm. I Part of the it. show. But lesser the growling she said. <laughs> she said but it's, it's so true. It's That's so true.
0: Staying in, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's only joking. Yeah. Uh, funny <laughs> enough, a couple of mouths arrived into Gemma this week. Ah. Yeah, here we go. First one. No, well I didn't do it then. No, that was me. Um Dear Gemma. At the end of an otherwise fabulous Fuji cast, Kevin sang a snippet of the Jolly Green Giant jingle and rendered it admirably. See, he did it well. Should have stopped when he was ahead, though. He went on to state that Keith Krause was the voice. Not only for the Jolly Green Giant, but also for Darth Vader. Really? Are you sure it was not Elmer Len Dressler and James Earl Jones, respectively? I wanted to send this email directly to Gemma, because at the end of your show you say send all complaints to your wives. (laughs) Anyway, keep trying, gents. The important stuff you generally get dead on. Another one came in. Kevin and Neil, regarding my lull in fact-checking, because we thought he'd been a bit quiet of late may i point out that you seem to have ignored my calling out kevin for stating that it was picasso who cut off his own ear <laughs> and neil for airing the most horrid recording of the lovely western screech owl i think we did mention that
1: i think we mentioned that bit but you know he's right about the jolly green giant and i knew the yeah. moment i said it you knew it i knew i thought actually yeah. i think he was the green cross cove man so, so Darth Vader is the Green Cross Code man, not the Jolly Green Giant.
0: That's right. So yeah. Alan Gump as or Gump, the Gump is right. And that's all I had to say about that. Absolutely. <laughs> right, you can do a question. Okay,
1: I've got one from uh, Adam Gerhold, and he is from New Hampshire in USA. Uh, okay, he says, I "Love the podcast. Um, very appreciative for the content, etc., 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 Blah et blah 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 blah. I'm looking for some advice. I posed the question in the Facebook group and got a lot of wonderful help and advice, but I wanted to run it by you guys too i stopped in my local camera shop to put my name on the on the hold list for the x pro 3 and they had oh you
0: lucky man they
1: had a few used uh they had a few used lenses in the shop in good shape the 18 mil f2 23 mil f1.4 i have the x100f now which i love i also shoot music and wedding photography and i uh, just shot a full wedding with just the x100f so for a second body and between 18 and 23 mil what do you think bearing in mind he's got a x100f so essentially what should he get for his x pro 2 should he have the 18 mil See 23 that? mil
0: I, i'd go for the 23 because it's going to give you a little bit more when you need it in low light you got another stop haven't you uh
1: yes because it's 23 mil f 1.4 and, tw- and the x100f is only an f2 lens so yeah perhaps although then he's gonna have two cameras with exactly the same focal length
0: that's true that was a terrible suggestion Um, in which case well I do like the 18 I remember um Seeing Patrick Laroque use it in Brighton and the the stuff that he got from it on the street, I thought was was lovely. And Facundo just Facundo was using, yeah, yeah, he just uses that yeah. for yeah. his weddings, actually in low light as well. To be fair, yeah,
1: I yeah, but his low light weddings in Argentina are you know there's fireworks and dancing yeah, and throw, all the time. throwing tequila down each other's throats and everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's not all all the time. I, I love that 18 mm f two. I really, yeah. uh, you know when they 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 kind of ask us every now and again what lenses should we update next, and I'm forever going 18 mil f2 18 mil f2 um but apparently it's not a um it's not like one of the the big selling lenses so
0: maybe because it needs updating no
1: i think See? it's the it's the weird focal length isn't it? Is it? 18 mil is like the equivalent of 28 eight. Isn't it? yeah 20 27.6 or something right. so um yeah i think it's something to do with that but yeah i love that so my choice would be 18 mil
0: i think it's it's, it's good as a focal length because sometimes 24 in the old-fashioned money terms is 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 too wide and 35 and too close mm. so you want in, in so if you're looking at the 28 millimeter full frame um language there that's a really good in betweener isn't it
1: i spent the last three three or four days in london with the uh, x1 x pro 3 when i've been shooting with the 35 mil f2 right and um and i don't really use the 35 mil f2 much but i i really kind of um got back in with it i quite liked yeah. it
0: so for the Muggles, that's about fifty millimeters. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, it's not a traditional kind of street photography lens, but you can get some fairly fairly funky stuff with it.
0: We should think of a new sort of um, when we talk about the the difference in APS-C lens and full frame lens reference. There should be a like, uh, Muggles, of course, is a Harry Potter reference. What mm. what well, well, it could be um, Luggles, Luggles, Luggles. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going anywhere with that. Let's quit while we're ahead. <laughs> right, um, this week's um, interview. <laughs> <Luckles>. <laughs> I um, um, right, serious face on this week's interview. I, I wanted to do something a bit different this week, um, and we often talk about Giles Penfound, my my good buddy. Um, who was a former army press photographer. There's a juxtaposition which we'll talk about in a moment. And I wanted to talk to Charles about what it means to work in the extremity of conflict as a photographer. And I know we've talked about conflict of late a few times, but it does seem appropriate for this particular episode, in particular those who, in our profession, photography, gave their lives in pursuit of the story – Photographers like Dickie Chappelle, one of the first female war photographers who lost her life in Vietnam. Although, when I say first, a little research uncovers some notable female photographers who survived the First World War. Christina Broom and Olive Edis. Tim Hetherington and Chris Hondras, who made their final stories in Libya. Mika Yamamoto from Japan, who lost her life in Syria. Seeking the truth has been the job of journalists and photographers at war. And in the so-called Great War, the first appointed official photographer for the British Army was Ernest Brooks. Now, Ernest seemingly had little or no reservations about recreating scenes that he had witnessed earlier or or even posing photographs outright. Other journalists exposed him for faking these photographs, and it stopped the practice, certainly by Brooks. And during that war, questions about whether a photographer's role was to illustrate the facts or show them exactly as is were were all being addressed for the first time. And so today, 11-11, a respectful bow of our collective here on the FujiCast for those who passed on making stories, making their pictures and telling truths so that we are aware or conscious about what truly happens past many of our suburban front doors and a moment for robert Kappa, born andre erno friedman who is widely regarded as one of the most important photographers of this genre and who lost his life in the first Indochina war. It's
1: believed they were soon caught in a crossfire and she died from a gunshot to the neck. So it was the latest casualties the in the battle for control Lepo
0: of the country's third largest Lepo. city.
1: Britain, Tim Hetherington's documentary film, Restrepo, was nominated-
0: Civilians and rebels were indiscriminately shelled. The media center housing them and other journalists was, eyewitnesses say, specifically and methodically targeted. I remember you um in in the film that we made where we talked about war photography and conflict photography and um I'm not very good I'm going to paraphrase it you said that war isn't fun um there's 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 no, nothing particularly glamorous about it it's full of putrid smells and horrible noises and 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 so your own experience of uh being in a conflict zone is not one of didn't seem to be of of great cherish
2: it isn't now Um, I I think this is where one has to be kind of really really honest Um, and if I look back on the work now I I look back on it with, with, with kind of different eyes more mature eyes um a mature heart of, of being a father and a, a and, and a husband and all the rest of it yeah. but the reality is is when i when i was there doing it i absolutely loved it i really did and and you know i, I was as much hooked uh, into the the thing of it as 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 all the other people who've kind of gone before me you know the, the, and it is it, i mean um, Don McCullen said you know it it's a it's a it's a big hit. It's a it's oh. a big kick, you know. No, no matter what you say, no matter what you've kind of been in, because I, because I think it's so extraordinary and different to 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 normal life.
0: What difference does it make that um, you had a uniform and he didn't?
2: Well, yeah, and and this is this is what you know, I learned that very very quickly. And a lot of people within my organisation, I think a lot of people forget about what real photographers do real you know real press photographers do i wasn't i I was an uh, an army photographer so i I had access. and not only did i have access to all of the stuff but i had a great big support machine behind me
0: did you have better access
2: in terms yes sometimes of getting to places yeah absolutely but in terms of in terms of freedom of movement and freedom of actually producing the story no i didn't because i you know at the end of the day Irrespective of my personal feelings, I had to produce work for the army for yeah. the propaganda machine. Yeah. Okay, I did my own stuff as well, but you know, when you're people like you know Don McCullen or or you know, any of the great uh, Tim Hetherington, whatever, you have an agenda, you have an idea of who you're shooting for, what the story is, and and so you're not hidebound by the system that's supporting you, which is why in Iraq and Afghanistan it caused such huge problems was because the embedded photographers were seen as almost kind of the puppets and the pawns of, you know, the British and American military because they would only, in effect, get their sucker and get their support if they did the right did the right stories. But people like Don McCullen, you know, he wasn't into any of that or any of them, Don McCullen, uh, 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 Tim Hetherington, um, James Natchway. But, you know, he... You know he went into northern Iraq um and so he had no support network he just had you know his, his own gumption, you know knowledge you know his his ability to get the stuff done and also the ability to find the story so for him and people like him you know I think that's what people forget it's not it's not like it is in the movies where they kind of I guess sometimes they do rock up at the hotel and' it's, you know drinks drinks at four and all almost it. Right. but they've got to find their way there they're not. And if they get shot or if they get injured, you know, who do they go to? They, yeah. You know, I had...
0: You had a support mechanism oh, yeah, behind yeah. you. Medics. Absolutely. You could be flown out. Yeah. Yeah. And, in fact, the last couple of weeks, we, we've talked to um, um, a couple of photographers who have not been embedded, and they talked about the importance of the fixer. Y- your fixer was the whole industry, if that's the correct phrase, Behind that war,
2: my fixer
0: was. You didn't have to rely upon somebody that might sell you to the highest bidder.
2: No, absolutely not, because I I was just a PR photographer. That, that's that's the cold hard reality of yeah. of. of that of,
0: weird? Of, a PR photographer, and, oh, and it's awful. And For conflict, <laughs> it's
2: just appalling. The two
0: words, such a juxtaposition.
2: <laughs> it's appalling, yeah. it re- really is. So you know, my, but the idea and the concept of that fixer that. Is still exactly the same. So, say for instance, when when I went to Fallujah with the with the black watch, you know, I was just some bloke, irrespective of the fact that I was a warrant officer. I was just some bloke turning up with a the camera. They had no idea who I who I was. I had I had an idea of the working of their their environment, their battalion, because I'd been in the infantry. But I had to get my fixes. I had to I had to make my connections. Right. So you still had to. Yeah. So the. the it's just different. So, you know, I, I got to know, you know, I got to know the drivers, I got to know the chefs, I got to know, you know the guys who I knew would get get me places. So the, the idea of, of finding somebody who can help you is exactly the same, but also irrespective of who you work for, whether it's me being an army photographer or, you know, Don McCullen, you need people who will get you access
0: i always remember you telling me a story about the boots you took some you took you, you made a photograph of a a, a squadie with his boots by him and the boots were in a terrible uh, state and and that one picture got you in a lot of trouble didn't it yeah it did
2: yeah because why well because it was right at the time when there was a massive contention about british troops having the right equipment and it was absolutely right because you know, um, whilst the guys on the ground were, had no kit or had no body armour, up at the, uh, the the main logistics store uh, uh, in the Midlands, there was there was all the kit that I could ever want.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah.
2: I can <laughs> I have anecdotal evidence to prove that, but I can't prove it straight off. So anyway, I took this picture, which is just before we went into, into Basra, there was a guy from the uh, Irish Guards, uh, uh, Irish Guards Battalion, and he was, they just had a no group to, to figure out what they were going to do and all this. And basically, he was sat down by the side of uh, his warrior cleaning cleaning his feet, and, and, and there was a guy next to him who just sat there just relaxing, and he, his feet got crossed over, and half his boot was hanging off because they were rubbish. Mm. And they were, and, and you know... The kit has always been rubbish. <laughs>
0: no, not exactly the PR that the British Army no, wanted out their no. PR photography department.
2: No. So I, t- but I took the picture and yeah. it's actually taped together with black nasty, yeah. the name we had for for the uh, name no, no, uh, for gaffer uh, tape. T- the gaffer t- 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 we black nasty. It black N- right, okay. Because <laughs> it's fantastic. Everything, everything, Every, everything.
0: If you put gaff around anything, it just holds it together. It does. It's magic. I, I think my VW Beetle, my first car, was held together by. What what would have been be grey nasty, think, actually.
2: <laughs> um, but I took this picture. It's a really low angle with the with the boot in the sort of uh, the foreground, because to me it was a indication of the strength of not only him but for me the British Army in general is that you don't give up because your boot's hanging off; you continue, and that's what this guy was. Oh,
0: so you saw the story one way, yeah, and they saw it entirely oh, they, they in another way. They just went completely yeah. tonto, because yeah.
2: they had no idea of the 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 contents of the picture and this is where you know embedded journalists would have a massive problem as well because if they if they would see something you know where do they go off kind of go off message and you know the pressure on them to stay on message because they're being supported but when you're not embedded um you know i mean vietnam killed all that because know yeah, the photographers and everybody was given were given such free reign to do what they wanted to do. Take, for instance, Philip Jones Griffiths, the guy who, who, who just who documented the realities of the Vietnam War so perfectly and exquisitely and was so um, anti what the Americans were doing in terms of not only the images he made, but also the text that he wrote. Vietnam Inc is is, yeah. is the book that, yeah. that, that, that he produced. But he wasn't hidebound bound by other people's idea of what he should do. You know, because he was completely independent and also modern people today, you know, there's to my shame that I know there's people working in Syria at the moment. There's there's photographers, male and female photographers working in the Yemen, extraordinary people who who understand what their story is or or rather the story that they need to get out, the story that they they need to tell. And so they go and do it and, and to massive personal risk. Um, or even just the difficulty of operating on a normal day, where do they get water? Where do they get food? you know how are they how are they assured of coming back from this operation that they that they go to
0: Was Vietnam either the last place where true freedom press freedom existed, or was it the start of the press freedom that we expect today
2: I think it's a bit of both. I think they both go go hand in hand to be honest with you because um I think in in Korea that the, the the well perhaps even the the, the Second World War, um, there'd been a lot of reporters. Well, people like Kappa. Okay, we going back to Kappa. People like Kappa who would report on what was going on, um, and that continued. But it, it I think it kind of reached its zenith really, and everything came together in terms of magazine publishing, uh, the ability to get the message out, TV, um, with the Vietnam War, where the Americans just had no clue um and i i would argue that they i say the americans but the the military establishment they still don't have a clue they don't still don't have a clue about the real power of, of of the image but they were so happy because i think they were so blinkered in their their belief of what they were doing was right that they kind of went oh yeah of course you can come on this you know you, i mean you, you know you you talk to um uh, uh, I've talked to a number of people who were there who were photographed there, who, who were TV journalists. And, and they could literally do anything because the Americans would give them you know, uh, uh, officer status. Um, so they would be able to get into these places.
0: All right, so they had all that access. Yeah, I mean, just yeah.
2: extraordinary access.
0: Didn't McCullin actually jump on, on a lot of those opportunities, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, very much so. I mean, yeah. you
2: know, McCullin is, is, is famous for, I mean, another you know, man's... <laughs> The man's famous for everything. He's, he's just remarkable in every regard. But you talk about courage. You talk about that, that ability to see a story and go after it and not be put off by anything. When in, and I can't remember where it was, but it was in the Congo during the massive civil war there. He he was he, he kind of went over, and he was told that there's no way you know he could he could get into I think it was Stanleyville because the uh, the British mercenary uh, Mike Hall. Was operating was operating there, and so he he basically befriended a uh, a mercenary, told him to wake him up when they went to go and board the plane, the next morning to go into Stanleyville, he just bluffed his way in, and said he was a merc, got into got into Stanleyville, and he was found out. And my corps was 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 happy to hand him over to the I think it was the Congolese rebels, but you know and and so I mean it didn't happen, but right in amongst in amongst this under the threat of being handed over to the opposing side you know there's McCullen... still making,
0: making images. still making yeah, images yeah.
2: you know that may be
0: aware that they might be the last he's making
2: well yeah you know and, and and I mean you see the images he's making these are not these are not stood back these are you know I mean cap is famously quoted for saying if your pictures aren't good enough you're not close enough that's about geography but also that's about intensity of emotion as well and you look at, uh, at don mccullen's work uh, um and I think it was uh, um, Stanleyville, but you see the intensity of the images and how close he is, physically and emotionally, to the action that's going on. It it actually isn't, it's not about McCullen. Um and, and, and I know this of him. He he would hate he would hate to, to think that it's about him. What it's about it's the, about the story. It's about the people. It's that responsibility of making those images. That tell of this event that happened The tell of those those people who were killed or, or, or whatever and it's it it's just you know, I find it a, a amazing that it, I think it goes back to strength of character
0: I, I, I'm acutely aware that um, there will be many people listening to this particular episode after 1111 but I wanted to make something about photographers who in plying their important trade uh, paid the ultimate personal sacrifice like Robert Kappa
2: yeah um I don't think I don't think he I don't I don't think he made the ultimate sacrifice. I I think you don't. he No, I don't. I think he was just doing what he absolutely loved doing. And his arrogance, and I mean that in the most pos- positive possible way, his arrogance was such and his self-confidence was such was that you know I don't if any first hand testimony of this, but I can just imagine what he was like was well that's that's what I'm here to do, you know that you know he was he was well known for getting into getting into these sort of situations i don't think he ever thought oh i'm 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 sacrificing anything i think if he wasn't allowed to go i think I think
0: he'd have felt that was a yeah
2: i i I'm sure he he'd bulk at the idea of him being thought of as he sacrificed anything because mm-hmm. what did it do nothing. You know his pictures didn't change anything
0: well McCullough often talks about this that nothing nothing he's done has changed the world no I mean I'd no. argue with that, but
2: i think it i think it in you know it informs mm. and it it's, creates debate yeah creates you know uh, uh, um, was it tom stoddard uh, uh, just amazing just a remarkable british photojournalist you know he he's his idea is bearing witness mm. mm-hmm. um I don't think any of this is about um
0: Changing the world—it's about being, no. a, being a witness, no. which is probably why he called his book "Eyewitness." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But going back to Kappa's early days, then it was—you uh, told me an interesting story that it was actually his wife that was probably responsible for Kappa being um, being famous at all.
2: He fled from Hungary. um you know, He was—he was a Hungarian Jew. Uh, um Fled from Hungary. I think he went to the, the uh, United States first, or he may have gone through the UK. um But he—he—he he, he got to know, and whether he was married to or just had a relationship with a woman called Gerda Taro who was very much the driving force behind him his own little PR machine right um and and to think
0: there was pr yeah at, and, at, at and, that point in photography yeah, and, in, I, and i don't think in, in it was way.
2: i don't think it was anything official i don't you know i don't think he employed her as yeah. a pr machine but I, but it's clearly but she turned
0: out to be pretty good pr oh she was brilliant
2: and well, you know she she ultimately paid, she paid the ultimate sacrifice if, in that regard because she died in the um uh in the Spanish Civil War when he was photographing. Back to your question is is that she and I think linked to the picture post article with the article in effect I've got it here in front of me. So it's Picture Post, volume one, number ten. Um, oh, that's precious. It's just fantastic. It's just this beautiful I can smell it from here. <laughs> it's just this beautiful I know. old oh, so, so which was December third, nineteen thirty eight it was
0: printed. Three old pennies.
2: Yeah, there we go. And and you know, on page thirteen, there's a picture of Kappa um, with a, um, I think it's a Bolex, a, a camera, and the title is "The Greatest War Photographer in the World, Robert Kappa." Now this is where the legend really, really started. This combined with his work in the uh, Spanish uh, Civil War, mm. but also with with Gerda, because Gerda would, you know, go to publishers or, or, or people to get his work published. And she'd say to him, well, "Of course you should know Robert Kappa. He's he's this he's he's this world famous American photographer. Don't you know him? No. And and they came up with this term, this this with Bob Kappa. That's where it came from. It, it, they they engineered Bob Capa. Gerda
0: a- engineered the greatest war photographer yeah. of of all time. Yeah.
2: So I, I think you know it, it seems to me with her and this article. You know I've got it in front of me now this Picture Post article of, seventh of 3rd, nineteen thirty eight. All of a sudden this." You know where do legends come from? Mm. Where does the the idea of this this famous this wonderful person come from? Well, it's undoubtedly he's an absolutely brilliant photographer. There's there's no doubt. Not only in his time, but I think in our time as well.
0: Did he have in modern parlance the X factor?
2: Oh God, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, he, he couldn't have anything but. You know, this is the guy who. Who uh, um, established Magnum, yeah. or helped to establish Magnum for Photos, um, and evidently uh, um, a lot of their early revenue was down to his very good ability to win money on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. <laughs> you know, along with you know, with Cartier-Bresson and a little, no,
0: little known fact about photography and, and Magnum. And,
2: and, you know, and I, you know, if I got it wrong, Magnum, I apologise. But you know, I've seen a few a few documentaries <laughs> yeah. about him. And he, he was this extraordinary um, force of nature, you know, who, in a similar way to, you know, a lot of these kind of young movie actors who, 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 who make it really big but die young. Mm. you know,
0: James Dean. So
2: there we go. There's a guy I was thinking of. James mm. Dean. You know, you couldn't imagine James Dean now as an 80-year-old, <laughs> could you?
0: No, not really. You know. No.
2: Um, you know, as, as all... You know, don't want people to die. But, you know, he... I think he lived the life.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, he was, you know, he, he went and photographed in Hollywood, um, I think during some kind of fallow years. But then he he, he became kind of amorously you know a, a linked to one of the big Hollywood stars. You know, whether, whether he married her or not, I can't remember. It's the mother of Ila, Is, Isabella Rossellini. And so there was this, because he was this legend, this legend that was created and, and also backed up. It wasn't just fluff and nonsense; absolutely backed up by the quality and the integrity of his work that he did.
0: Was he the greatest photographer?
2: I I disagree that he's the greatest war photographer ever. I mean, that's a horrible thing to say, isn't it? But
0: who would that be? Yeah,
2: I mean, I mean, but but it's 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 an it's an appalling thing to say. You know, top ten list of the greatest yeah, war photographers. Yeah. It, it's it's well, by the nature. Would you want that
0: accolade? Yeah,
2: it's it's an appalling thing. But at at the time he was working you know yes absolutely phenomenal guy but there were other people around him who didn't have that um that kind of star factor and all the rest of it uh, um you know look at the work of uh, bert hardy um his work in in korea um and also with picture post as well
0: what, what about tim page
2: i don't know i no, i don't think he's one of the greatest war photographers I, I i think he was just a legend yeah you know he, he was one of these one of these amazing photographers that that. You know, in the 60s, he, I don't know what his motivation was, but he he, he just he basically just turned up in South Vietnam with a couple of cameras and started working. Tim did? Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I mean, he, he, his uh, sacrifice that he had was, um, he lost a third of his brain or
2: something? Well, he, he certainly lost, I, I think, it was some sort of enormous four amount of fluid yeah. ounces or something like that Goodness, of his, yeah. his brain. he, was, he, was, he was, And still working? You know, and he was, you know, he was pronounced dead at one stage. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he lives in Melbourne, uh, not Melbourne, Darwin in Australia. And so these these all these other characters, you know, like Don McCullen, I mean, you know you look you look at, again, it's I think it's about the integrity of the work, about what they're showing, what they're highlighting. Um, and i I think people have latched onto to this idea of Kappa um, because, a because of this article, and because of the myth and the legend that was built up around him. But in terms of the breadth and the depth of work and and the perhaps even the truth of the work, I think there are other people out there. I mean, you know, Alexandra Boulay, who's uh, just and a remarkable female photographer. But uh, she uh, um, she worked for the agency Seven. She yeah. helped set up Seven. Um, and I think it was, I can't remember where she was killed, but she was killed on assignment. Um, you know, uh, uh, somebody like Anastasia Taylor Lind, who's a who's a current photographer. Absol- I mean guts and determination to go out and do what's necessary as opposed to you know what you've just been told. So I think perhaps this idea that there has to be a greatest perhaps that shouldn't be the thing perhaps it should just be these people had the strength of character and the ability to go forward and tell stories.
0: How did it end for Kappa?
2: Really badly.
0: We know he was Killed yeah in the field it was well, again, i want I'm, you to tell the story in fact you have um, in this incredible book that you've got of kappa's life the the last frame that he took
2: I, so I'll, I'll turn to it now and there's a um it's a section right at the right at the end of the book and it's called kappa the definitive collection and there is a series of one two three four five six seven images that he made um, on the 25th of May, 1954. Um, And the last image, which it says, by about 2.30 in the afternoon of May the 25th, 1954, the fort at Dohan had been um, evacuated and was to be blown up as soon as the French uh, um, convoy reached a safe distance. Kappa was with a a group of uh, um, um, soldiers, and he said, uh, Kappa walked up the road and then photographed a platoon advancing through the tall grass, preceded by men with mine detectors. As he began to walk up a grassy slope, he stepped on an personal mine and was killed. And so was... Um,
0: now that camera survived amazing yeah and so, so that last set into photograph stone. is still there it's still there
2: yeah you know that and it, it, look, it's not a great picture
0: but it's these are record images at the end aren't they really well there they, we go they, it,
2: it's it's a the
0: the, 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 the as one single image doesn't make a definitive story but but as a collection makes sense
2: this this is the final image of his, of his remarkable body of work i think goes to the integrity of him as a say, take all the flannel and the and the, uh, um, the kind of the James Bond type of thing away, away from it, because I think there certainly was a lot of that. In the end, I believe he just was this most remarkable photographer who wanted to tell a story in in the most unvarnished way. And the fact that you know, I mean, he 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 took this image, um, and shortly after, you know, he 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 was killed. Now, you know, um, you know, there, there's I mean, there's other people who who've, who've been like that. Uh, 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 W. Eugene Smith, for instance, another just titan of, of, of photography. He was uh, uh, he was pretty much blown up in the in the Second World War, but you know he stood up during a mortar attack to take a picture because he wanted to record what was going on, and he was he was nearly killed. Um, you know, thankfully he wasn't because you know the the other body of his work remained. Mm. What's sad about Kappa? What's really sad is, you know, what would he have gone on to do? Um, what's that unanswerable question isn't it about um but perhaps you know there's that you know, janice Joplin and and you know these kind of famous rock stars and who who died i think is it 27 you know the, the the james dean you know people like this the kind of the legend goes on um and is 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 enhanced and and perhaps falsely created by that and what gets forgotten is the actual work. And what even gets forgotten above that of the, the stories about the people he photographed.
0: My thanks to Giles this week for his time in uh, a special recording on uh, what is, uh, for, for those that are listening on the Monday, the 11.11 um, episode. Right, back to, uh, to questions. Oh, before we go to questions, um, Emily, Emily Ragnier. Um, suggested a really good idea over the week, didn't she? She did. We can't think of a name for it. You're no. going to have to help us here. Yeah, luggles. Let's call it luggles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we've moved on from that <laughs> terrible moment. Um, yeah, the idea was that, um, uh, that that we've all made mistakes at weddings and and portrait shoots and and stuff. And the idea was that people gave us their their worst mistakes that they've made and there was some sort of um idea of absolution which was far too close to a, to a feature that's on BBC radio already <laughs> so so we didn't want to do that so what do you, what do you think um,
1: yeah i reckon i reckon we should um i thought it was a great idea actually and we should yeah we should we should take the best one yeah or the most uh, the one that the one that we we kind of go oh my god yeah. to the most and um, the shock horror one yeah maybe we'll we we'll, um, I don't know what can we give him some prize or no we've got nothing to give them now oh <laughs> uh, yeah give him a bit of love we've
0: got an X Pro three over there <laughs> yeah uh, yeah maybe we'll figure something out yeah um, there'll be a prize don't worry. <laughs> um, So, uh, we need a name for it, though, don't we? First of all, we need stuff that's gone wrong when you're on shoot. But also,
1: not necessarily stuff that's gone wrong, but stuff that you've done that then you had to cover up or you hid or you're embarrassed to mention. And if you want to send it in anonymously... uh, Well, we'll
0: hide the names, don't worry.
1: Yeah, we won't say it yet.
0: I've got a good one to start with, if you like. Have you? got on, then. Um, because a couple of weeks have gone by, and the groom and bride are really happy with the pictures, and we, we've had a couple of chats, so I, I'm not afraid to mention it. I, I didn't want to mention it before. I thought, no, I won't mention that. But um, it was um, it was it was earlier in the season. Let me just say, um, and we were at a particular Catholic church. In uh, In and uh, this this church, Oh, it's a fantastic church. You you photographed there. It's quite dark. Uh, I don't know what you mean. And there's a little bell that that exists, and the the church <laughs> so it adjoins two um, buildings on each side. Yeah. So as you look at the if you look at the church, you, you think, all right, okay, that's a church with townhouses ha- each side. But actually, one of the townhouses is the the residence of the um, of the the Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. So he will come down. And it's quite a long church; it mm. stretches back quite a way. And at the back, there's a, an organist, and he can't ever see, can't ever hope to see when the the ceremony is starting. So there's a queue, and the queue is that the priest will walk down through this this quite tight corridor down into the church. And on his way down into this church, he ding ding, ding rings the bell, and the organist thinks, "That's it, fantastic! We'll we'll start." And um, and the music starts, the bride walks in, the whole thing starts. And then towards the end, we all file up, you see, back into the priest's quarters, if you like, into mm. that townhouse next door, through that really small corridor to go sign the register. And, um, and then when the register is signed, you come back down out, the, out that small corridor and the priest will ring the bell, da-ding, da-ding, and uh, the organist will think, right, that's time for a session. But on this particular day, the priest had said to me, right, when we come down through that archway between the, the townhouse and the church again, we're, we're not ringing the bell because we've got mass and another couple of hymns. Mm. Fine. So uh, <laughs> so we sign, we go up, we go through that little archway, alleyway, I'm calling it different names now, we go sign the register, we come back down, and I, I think, right, I'll scoot ahead of them so I can get a shot of them just coming out before we take mass. And as, we're going, as I'm going down the steps, I slip. And, and on the way down, and I put my arm up and I grab the bell and it goes ding didding, didding. I think for a second I'm thinking, oh, how embarrassing people are going to see that I've rung it. And then I think, oh, no. <laughs> then the, the organist thinks, haven't we got mass and another couple of hymns? Oh, I must want to end it early. So <laughs> he, So he starts playing the recessional music. I look back at the at the priest, I say, Don't worry, I'll run down the end until the organist to stop and he looks at me and he says it's done now. <laughs> <laughs> so, there we go. You're going to hell. <laughs> that, that, straight that, that, straight that particular the wedding bonfires. was about 25 minutes less.
1: Yeah. Although I know exactly the church you're on about and I know exactly the priest you're on about and I'm sure he would have been very grateful. Yeah, he'd yeah. have, yeah. have been... I saw him on the, in the s- pub on the way back. <laughs> he'd have been asleep in his chair again by the end of that. By the time they got uh, to the end. Anyway, that's so that's brilliant. the sort
0: of thing that we're talking about. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. send them in, send them in. And if you do want to be anonymous you can uh, just mention it and then we won't mention your name yeah. um, but me and Neil will always know <laughs> okay so I have a question from uh, <laughs> Ali Stewart in Dundee it's actually uh, a really really the Ali Stewart the Ali not Stewart not the Ali Stewart yeah at the end she says I'm looking forward to a bath um, what yeah I think uh, oh no I'm looking forward to bath <laughs> <laughs> So Ali's coming. He's uh, coming on. Don't Tuesday. be rude. He's <laughs> coming on Tuesday. Now it's quite a long, uh, long, long bit of text, but the question is uh, is quite interesting.
0: Okay, settle in, everyone.
1: Yeah, settle in. Uh, Kevin's uh, Christmas present story had me welling up today. Your mum is a star. She should be working in the ad team at John Lewis. So for reference, that oh, was yeah. when my mum gave me the brilliant. Uh, well, and my dad, in fairness, uh, a brilliant Christmas.
0: Um, you thought you were only getting of one, one present yeah. and you got all three. Yeah, you, you
1: yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Oh, it um, was a
0: tear-jerking moment.
1: Yeah, it was, it was. Um, so, anyway, her question goes on from there and it says, uh, I've recently been seeing a lot of disaster tourism photography yeah. being posted on Facebook. Uh, they are mainly of Chernobyl, where creatives, in, in <laughs> commerce go as a group to photograph the devastation. These images are shot with a wide aperture and have a, a, a preset over them, the filter. Uh, She goes on to say, I think it's so wrong to treat a disaster like this. I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Is it different from grainy black and white images of post-World War II disaster sites? My thoughts are that it is different, especially the preset hashtag. Um, And I guess by that she's kind of, um, you know, on Instagram, people will hashtag these pictures such as Chernobyl and stuff. Uh, Is that different from writing that a Vietnam or World War image was taken on Tri-X? Thanks. It just doesn't sit well with me. And I wanted to know your opinion. I know I could just not look at the work on the ground, uh, but occasionally I look to see what the trends are. And then I usually forget about them. But these images really got me thinking. It's quite interesting.
0: It is interesting. I've never thought of... I mean, Chernobyl was obviously a huge disaster, humanitarian um, nature and everything. And, and But, but of course, because there isn't a, the horrors of pictures of prisoners of war or execution or anything, so the the, the terrible things that happen by virtue of it, you, you don't tend to think of in quite the same way. And maybe that's why people feel that they can do these kind of tourist trips to Chernobyl, because cause the interest of seeing... Clark, derelict classrooms and derelict fun fairs, and there's an old theatre that gets photographed a lot, isn't there?
1: I think there's a there's a couple of facets to this uh, to this little conversation. One is that for so, so something like Chernobyl. It has become a tourist attraction, so yeah, you can you can go on holiday there. It's uh, weird, we, isn't we it? Um, uh, I, I've got friends. Um, Rob and Sarah went to Chernobyl. But you wouldn't um, stay there, do You, you stay close by, and you, they, they ship you in each other. And um, uh, you know, so there is Chernobyl sightseeing things that go on. So I suppose, in to that extent, then if that's been, I don't know whether exploited is the right word, but yeah. but monetized in some way, then I guess that that it's it's kind of uh, fair play. However, I suppose what really kind of gets to me a little bit is, you know, we have this uh, this. – we're in this world of citizen journalism now. So at the yeah. bottom of every BBC article about anything that's going on, it will say, were you there? Can you send us your yeah. pictures? Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, you, you get – whenever anything is happening, especially in, in kind of the big cities, you will find the press photographers doing their job correctly and rightly so. And then everybody else with their cameras and their iPhones and, and all that stuff who are are basically – I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them will be thinking oh, it's going to look great on Facebook. You know, this is going to look amazing on Facebook, and the, and that's that kind of thing doesn't sit particularly well with me. I must admit that kind of, you know, my thoughts on on. You only on have that. a
0: certain amount of time there, don't you? As well, I think you you're allowed to spend so many. I guess so, hours there. So, I saying, they're so. checking checking you on the way out. Yeah, is that the Expo three? It looks a bit green. Yeah, it's like, those, it's like those lenses, those thorium lenses. Oh yeah, the, yeah, we found out about that, didn't we? Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't. Um, I, I was quite interested to go to Chernobyl mm. quite a few years ago mm. before all this big tourism thing mm. happened, because you could I arrange hear- a great expense at that stage, yeah. a, an opportunity to go. And I wanted to make a small film. But I'd love to go to North
1: Korea. I'd love oh, to go to North Korea. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about that, Ali. I, I don't. I mean, I totally understand what you're saying about you know the the you know just putting filters on it and making a point about how yeah. the photography. Uh, sorry, the the technology and the you know the fact you're there rather than the the kind of um, you know the historical elements of it. And if people didn't take pictures, we wouldn't have the knowledge. So I true, suppose true. you know, I suppose that that's that's part of it also. Um,
0: I'm fascinated by pictures of Chernobyl. It, it, it's one of those places that I can get lost in YouTube or Instagram the moment that you know sometimes you get led to something you think, oh that's interesting mm. and then before you know it you've spent an hour and a half two hours looking at well you know if you go to Mercer Tiddle
1: on Sunday morning it's pretty much the same <laughs> 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 like
0: Geiger, Geiger, counter, uh, Geiger countering you out of the, the nightclub <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah good question Ali thank, very you. Good. thank you thank you
0: do you uh, do you ever find yourself um stuck in those those uh, those places on YouTube and social media where you I I always also find those um Trips of photographic trips that people make to uh, deserted fun fairs in America, and, well, Jay, and I always find those fascinating. Uh, Jay
1: Farrell does that, doesn't he? You know, you know, Jay, oh, yeah, uh, American yeah. photographer from uh, Kansas, I think. No, uh, from, from New York, no, uh, no, it's it's Mississippi, no, <laughs> no, where's he from? He is actually from New York, he's born in New York, but now he lives in um country world, country Kansas kind of direction, somewhere down there.
0: But that doesn't, Kansas, somewhere down there, yeah, it's a huge place. Um, Gump, you're gonna have to fact-check us on this one <laughs>
1: uh, um, houston somewhere like that
0: no it wasn't yeah that's, i think that's where he lives no, sorry
1: uh or is it new orleans he lives
0: um, there we go
1: i don't know jail tell us God, this is terrible, isn't it? This is terrible, Muriel. Anyway, he does that. He's written books. He's got books published, um, brilliant books, actually. He sent me one with um, basically just derelict left houses.
0: Yeah, I find those Um, fascinating. I I can get lost in YouTube in particular for ages looking. I don't know if I'd have the guts to go. I did go to Greenham Common, funnily enough. So I have done it once. I was about to say I don't think I'd have the guts to walk around somewhere where you're absolutely on your own and you don't know who's in there. Mm. But for, for when I when – I, so it's going back 15 years. And those that aren't aware of are Greenham Common, it's an American airbase that's uh, reasonably close by to where this studio is. It's, uh, it's no longer an American airbase and it's been reclaimed by nature and now you know, um, cattle roam the lands. And, but you can still see what was the longest runway um, in Europe – uh, it's the the it's it, it's sort of burned into the countryside now really even though they took the tarmac away and used it used it for uh partly for the the big ring road that now goes around newbury hmm. um but um i went into what were the the silos the nuclear bunkers where they they kept the um they kept the missiles hmm. and uh for they were always fenced off with big you know signs that do not enter um but the people had cut holes in the fences, gone through, and I thought, you know, for my photo project that I was doing at the time, I really wanted to get some pictures of it. And I went in with, a, with an old film camera, and a, a Nikon F5, so not that old, and, um, and made pictures of inside the silos. That was an eerie thing. That was, mm. yeah. So I think people have a lot of guts that do that sort of
1: thing. Mm. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess.
0: Right. Um, you go. I'm not sure if this is actually... Um, the Eddie McKell or who became George McKell who's the, the actor or not because George McKell he, he gave a link here to his IMDB account yeah and this is the and he's still alive George George McKell Eddie McKell yeah um, he's 90 I think ish yep and uh, he was in um, things like Guns of Navarone yeah and we got we got an email from and him and he was in one of the James Bonds was he one of those yeah, as well? Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. Which one? Do you know? Uh, I did read it. Uh, he's been in loads of things. New listener and currently catching up with the podcast. Excellent work. Much better than This American Life. But as an American, we're required to donate to that one. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> no, it can't be. <laughs> Wondering if I'm the only one with what seems to be an issue with the Micro Four Third cameras. I have uh, used both Olympus and Panasonic. Own the current love um, interest of Olympus. Uh, Pen F and various models of the Panasonic Lineage. No matter the model, lens type, and current astrological sign, he writes very well, actually. It's
1: brilliant. I love this email. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my pictures with the micro four-third cameras are bland, without life, hard to look at without causing some type of eye issue. The focus <laughs> is wrong. The light's wrong. The corners are soft and fuzzy. I take portraits of my children. They all look like Sharpays, which um, I had to look up, actually. I wasn't sure. A Sharpay is that wrinkly puppy, the really wrinkly puppy. As opposed to someone in the street trying to say the word Sharpie, you know, Sharpay.
1: Oh, okay, That's yeah. What I didn't is. quite
0: understand that either, yeah. It's a wrinkly puppy dog thing. Yeah. The, the ones that have the big folds <laughs> of wrinkles. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bit like me. <laughs> a Bit like you. <laughs> but let me switch to even my cheapest Fuji, say my XF1, and I turn into Ansel Adams, or at least a close relative. <laughs> Eyes are sharp with a hint of light dancing in them, leaves dance with colours. Um, If I step out with my XT30, I have people following me home to look at my portfolio. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) I'm not a pro, not even a casual amateur, but my pictures are good enough that most family members will offer me a fruit cake for a copy. (laughs) I return the cake the next year. I sound biased, but don't mean to be. I don't have an uncle who who owns stock in the company or anything, though my godfather, Mr Bezos, I mean, this could be true. Offered me a free ride on the first untested ship to the moon. Your thoughts, suggestions, and off-the-wall comments welcome. Eddie or George McKell, who, yeah, brilliant. That that. Absolutely if there was brilliant. a letter of the week, yeah, that's that it. That would be it. And you have to look up. You have
1: to type his name into Google and see all of the old pictures because obviously now he's a uh, uh, graciously aged gentleman. Yeah. Um, but the pictures on on the internet are amazing because he's he's about twenty two in those and. Uh, you'll recognise him. Well, with for a sure. stage
0: name George McKell. Mm. I, look, I looked at him I thought, oh, I want to see a few Guns of Navarone mm. um, scenes that he was in. All I could find was care- Careless Whisper and <laughs> Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. <laughs> Obviously, YouTube thought I couldn't spell the, yes. last, the last, which is M I K E L. Oh, which is pronounced kill. Sorry, kill, isn't it? Mik- yeah, kill, kill kill. Um, so, well, so what's the answer? I'm not sure there's an answer to that, really. I just thought it was such a wonderful email. It is a wonderful mail. email.
1: But I think there's a little bit of an answer in that the whole Micro Four Thirds versus uh, APS-C versus full-frame versus yeah. medium format kind of conversation. So uh, Micro Four Thirds, obviously... D- doesn't have quite, it's a smaller sensor doesn't, yeah, doesn't so yeah. it, by inference doesn't have the same kind of depth of field, if you like, again, as yeah. APS-C, and APS-C doesn't have the same depth of field as full frame, and full frame doesn't have, well, actually it does have technically the same, but it's the, the way it kind of renders. Um, but, so maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just the fact that it's, uh, you know, just doesn't, depends what you're trying to look for and doesn't have the same oomph but there are plenty of um, uh, Giles uses Micro Four Thirds doesn't he I think or did for a while use a Pen F yeah, I,
0: I, no, I'm not sure he uh, doesn't now no but there are plenty He's of people so, Sony user now.
1: plenty of people who do use um, Micro Four Thirds Damien McGillicuddy for example did, yeah. was um, yeah. using it for a long time and, and, and produced
0: you know wasn't he an ambassador for them?
1: Great, great images. I think he was an ambassador for Olympus. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: I mean, I, yeah. I, it, I presume it's down to what you're looking for, and, and if you're looking for that extra kind of depth, bo- bokeh, blurriness, Okay. then uh, it might be just that. Simple okay. as that. But what a lovely email. Absolutely, it yeah, was. Well, that was amazing. Yeah.
0: Right, your question.
1: Okay, I have a question from uh, Jason Renault and he says uh, it doesn't say where he's from, but he says uh, hi guys, thanks for the fun and great content. Uh, you are granting us. Granting us. <laughs> I grant you happiness. <laughs>
0: yes. From above.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm new to photography. A little over a year ago uh, and started and still find the discussion of RAW versus JPEG. Uh, let's just say interesting. Mm. I understand some professionals prefer to use RAW and spend time on the computer with editing. Although once a preset is created, it is a question of applying, uh, applying the, the preset to a bunch of photographs. Now, I just watched Kevin's review of the X-Pro3 and one question came to mind. So the question is mostly addressed to me, i.e. Kevin. Mm. Um, but curious to have both your inputs. If now the X-Pro3 will be in your bag, backed yeah. up by a second X-Pro3 for your wedding assignments, will, be, will you be using or are you already using the Fujifilm film simulations for this type of work or are you shooting in RAW format? Jason. Um, you I shoot did. RAW mainly now, don't you? I shoot both, basically, yeah.
0: But, but you tend to process the RAW for your wedding work?
1: I tend to know because a lot of my clients go for the RAW plus colour options. Uh, so it's it's easier for me to do that Uh, however I still uh, I still shoot JPEG to the other cards I still uh, you know up until I think yesterday when Adobe released Lightroom 9 the X Pro 3 wasn't supported raw file wise anyway so I've only been shooting JPEG I have to say that that, um, uh, classic Neg film simulation the superior emulation you love it don't you uh, it's adorable absolutely adorable um, I got stuck in a lift yesterday in uh, Common Garden, <laughs> and this and, is a very funny story. And um, and I thought, well, this is great. We're, so so what happened was I had. Well, it wasn't um, so great to start with because you fell 15 feet. It was very funny. Um, yeah, afterwards it was very funny. So I, I had a friend over from America. I was doing some um, uh, some shooting with her and she uh, I said right let's go we've been over to the Houses of Parliament and um, uh, sorry Jason we'll get back to your question by the way and uh, I said uh, I said right let's go to we'll go to Common Garden next so we jumped on the tube and I said to her now Common Garden is one of those stations where you can choose to go up the spirally staircase but it's a long That's way right. yeah, yeah. or you can take the 600 year old elevators and uh, I said you okay in elevator? she said yeah yeah yeah, it's, I'm fine I, I get a little bit claustrophobic but as long as it's quick it's fine no problem I said so we, we, we go into the elevator and if you know these elevators in London, in the tube stations, Covent Garden, Hampstead, for example, Hampstead is the deepest one. Um, you walk in one side and you walk out the other That's side, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. So we walked in to the elevator and the, the opposite side, the one where we should be exiting when we got to the top, opened and closed really quickly twice. Yeah. And I jokingly said, this elevator's broke. We, you know, this will be turned off and we'll have to get out and go and queue up again. Yeah. Anyway, the doors behind us shut. Um, so that was fine. Um, we went up pretty quick and then we went down <laughs> pretty quick it stopped <gasps> everybody like everybody's body went up a little bit yeah. and then it went down pretty did, rap- did it, rapid it
0: move, move your tummy did you feel oh it? Yeah,
1: yeah yeah everybody everybody went <gasps> yeah. like and everybody in the in the elevator like grabbed onto something else and then it dropped but it dropped very very quickly um and to me to me it felt like it dropped i don't know like a foot or something like that um and then immediately above the door, the alarm went off, and then immediately above the door, with the little red God, it's scrolling, It's make you feel better by an alarm going off. The little red scrolling um, thing above the door that says, you know, exit this side, immediately said, um, this elevator is out of service. Please do not use it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this reminds me of when you're on the motorway, you know, and you're sat there and you're in back-to-back traffic. You're going one mile an hour and the road sign comes up and says, do not go faster than 40 miles an hour. And you just think, you're just having a laugh now. And then after about 10 minutes or so, so the the the, um, the 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 little fella came through the speaker and he said. Do you know he was little? Well, I know he was little because he came out of a little hole in the end. Right. And he goes. Uh, he said. Um, he said, "How many of you are there?" And, uh, and the guy nearest the speaker said, 30 And the bloke goes, 13 Oh, that's not enough to rescue. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> And then there's a woman who was uh, who was in the elevator as well, who was in the back corner, and she was probably the most freaked out by all of it. Yeah. She went, no, 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 tell him forty because he'll understand it's more. <laughs> and uh, and the guy goes, uh, it was very very efficient, I have to say. He said, don't worry. He said, we'll 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 be there soon. He said, just stuck be- between floors, so mm-hmm. we can't really do um we can't move you up or down. Um, he said, just uh you know just relax and, and we'll be there.
0: Do so uh, they winch you up in the end
1: then? No, no, no. So um the guy the guy who stood next to me he said. What are the lottery numbers, by the way? <laughs> I, was, yeah. I, was, I was like, "What are you He said, "Well, you said this was going to break down." <laughs> yeah. um, and then after about a couple more minutes, the um, just like Mr. Ben, there's yeah. a secret door in these elevators. Right. I was looking at the little hatch in the roof. There's, there's like an attic room. Right? Yeah. I was looking at it, thinking, yeah. Yeah, "No way. There is no way I'm, gonna oh, I'm my... going to heave my." I'm not going. No, please, no, no, no,
2: no, no! no
1: way. <laughs> um, anyway, you turn. You just like this. This door opened in the middle of the wall. Um, what? And he appeared. He, he put his head through. He went, hello, everybody. <laughs> really, really cheery. Um, he said, "Sorry about this," and uh, and and then he explained what was what was happening. So the elevator, all four elevators, run up and down next to each other. Right. Okay. And um, so they pull up. They shut the entire station. They pulled up the one of the other elevators level with ours. Um, and he he said uh, oh
0: so you get into another elevator yeah he that's said that's clever
1: he said um he said uh, if you we are quite high he said i'm not yeah. going to tell you exactly how high but don't look down when you step over
0: yeah.
1: okay <laughs> and um, and i thought we were just i thought literally it would be like a, a couple of inches gap or something yeah. but no they brought a bridge a little steel bridge oh. for us to walk across into the next elevator did you look down no it was actually, oh, you should it, have it done. was actually pitch black anyway all i'm right, thinking okay. you know wouldn't have seen much but but um, you should have been there with your flashlight look
0: guys look, look <laughs> all the way down there
1: he did Ooh. tell me off uh, filming on my phone though <laughs> He? First thing he said when he came through, he said, "Hello, everybody." Pointed at me, he said, "Turn your phone off." Did he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, so that, yeah, that was quite an experience, actually. I have to say, you don't have to turn your phone
0: off, do you? I don't. Wouldn't, I don't know. Are you on private property?
1: Yeah, but he was about to save my life, so I, I thought, yeah, 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 yeah actually, yeah, I'll let him yeah, get yeah. away with that. Anyway, so but back, I, back I did. I was thinking about if we were stuck in that elevator for hours on end. I was yeah. thinking this is going to be a great photo story um you know we could we could like just chat and take pictures of people yeah. and everything um and i was and i and I started taking a couple of snaps and the the film simulation the um superior film simulation it, was, it just looked great in there the light was great yeah. the people some of them looking panicked some of them yeah. looking bored you know the one, one guy said to me he said i've been dry, i've been coming up and down this lift for the last 30 years and this has never happened yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, it was it was all ruined by the man that saved our lives because he turned up too early for me to really think too hard about it.
0: So you didn't manage to get your photo story. No, it, you know? no. Um, I think the lady that was panicking would have been loved to have been part of a, a Marlin's photo shoot?
1: <laughs> it was quite surreal, I have to say. And it, when we got into the second elevator, there was um, there was a little stepladder. Yeah and I said to the other guy and I said what's the um, it's for the little
0: man that (laughs) rescued you
1: (laughs) what's the step ladder for and he said uh, he said well at one there's only one part of the the lift shaft where we can't get the the, the, um, escape doors next to each other so in that case you have to climb down or up (gasps) Uh, this little ladder, yeah. and I was thinking, hmm, I'm, I'm really glad that we weren't at that part. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you could handle that. Yeah. No worries at all. Uh, yeah, and then they took us down. We we went down in the elevator. We got to the bottom, and they said, "Right, you can you can go." In. And we were like, "What? No, we were going up." When we got in, we were going up, and he went, "Oh, I thought you were going down." So then we had to go back up again, and I was like, oh, "I think I might just take the steps."
0: Did you walk? <laughs> no, I didn't. No. But I was like, "That's a long." I, I was
1: like, "This is putting us through yeah. uh, putting us through hell here." Um so, Meanwhile,
0: back to the question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Sorry. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Jason. But, yeah, no, that was it, the film simulation. Yeah, The JPEGs, honestly, this whole thing about RAW and JPEG and uh, professional, it's interesting that he said, I understand some professionals prefer to use RAW. Yeah. You don't have to be a professional to use RAW, no. and you don't have to be uh, a non-professional to just use JPEG. No, not so, yeah. um,
0: the first two-thirds of my wedding career in 15 years were spent photographing u- using JPEGs.
1: I shot JPEG when well, I had my yeah. Canon 1D Mark IV. Which is like five and a half thousand pounds worth of camera I yeah. shot in JPEG on that. A lot time. of my
0: favorite images were, were JPEGs.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a bit of a misnomer. People who, you, you know, you get more latitude with well, Raw, of course, yeah. but if you're happy with Actually, what the latitude, the latitude out of in, a
0: JPEG, it's not bad, you know?
1: Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, pretty good. So thank you, Jason. Sorry to, um, to intervene with my
0: story. Thank you for your question. <laughs> um, right. Uh, have we got time for one more? No. Oh, the clock's against us. Johan Axelson, I'm going to. Hold on to this as the first question next week, which is all to do, again, with the X-Pro3. So I promise, Johan, you, your, your question will be the uh, the first one on the, the show next week. There we are. That's a promise. Right. Thank you very much uh, for for your time this week. And thank you to our, our guest, uh, Giles Penfound. Um, if you like this week's show, please take a moment and share it. Uh, We'll consider you you legendary material if you do that. Apple podcast reviews are great, too, and we do read every single one of them, I promise. Um, And have you joined the, we mentioned it at the start, the private Facebook group? If not, we're waiting there to say hello to you. Thank you for your questions. They are the... Lifeblood of the show. Boom, boom. Keep sending them in. Click at Fujicast.co.uk. Music is from Blue Wednesday with additional stuff from Artlist. Right, payoffs this week. You get uh, you get Eric. Kevin's Instagram is Kevin Mullins Photography. See his films on YouTube at Documentary Eye. His website is Kevin Mullins For street workshops, training, and everything Fujifilm, go to f16.click. I'm Eric DeLorme from Ottawa. My Instagram is underscore Eric DeLorme and my website is ericdelorme.ca. Thanks for listening. And uh, mine's gonna actually, this is quite episode because mine is coming from Murray McMillan, who's going to be a guest on the show in a couple of weeks' time.
1: Neil's Instagram is Neil James. His website is neiljames.com for pictures and one-to-one mentoring. Remember, you can hear his other photography podcast, which is called Breathe Pictures, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Murray McMillan. My Instagram is Murray underscore McMillan and my website is Murray McMillan in photography.com thanks very much
0: if your question your comment or just plain amusing observation didn't feature this week don't fear it will like all the best things in life your question is one of them and we will get round to them and we're looking forward to um to seeing you well some of you this week of course you said apposite twice this week did i yeah i don't really know what it means either no, it's apt oh it's a posher way of saying okay it. Yeah. okay um yeah we're looking forward to seeing you on wednesday
1: Uh, Yes, I am. Yes, we are.
0: Are you going to invest in a few more smiles this year? No. No. (laughs) Oh, well, at least you know where you stand. And I'm not saying goodbye this week either. (laughs) The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.